I've been a, a minister for nearly a quarter of a century now. Uh, so I've preached Christmas after Christmas after Christmas. And people sometimes ask, are you not terrified? Like, what are you going to say? Um, what are you going to say that you haven't said before? What I've discovered is that the coming of Jesus into the world is a subject so rich that I can revisit it time and time again without any danger of ever exhausting it. So as I meditate on the Christmas story each year, I, I discover uh, fresh riches that are just right for that time and that place. Over the years, what I've tried to do often is to choose one uh, facet of Christmas to focus on, of the Christmas story, uh, to view the events of the coming of Jesus from one particular standpoint each year. So this year I've chosen to think on the theme of peace on earth. It's a, a fundamental part of the Christmas story in ways that you and I might not always give it credit for. How do I know that? Well, Luke chapter two, when the angels, the angel choir, uh, appears in the sky when they sing over the fields of Bethlehem, when they announce the news to the shepherds. We're told in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, that what they do is really very simple. They do two things. First of all, they praise God. They sing glory to God in the highest heaven, knowing what's going on in the village down there below. They can't stop themselves from singing, from praising God. But there's a second thing that they do. At the same time that they're sending praise up to, to God in heaven, they're talking about what's coming to earth. On earth, earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace on earth. That's what the coming of Jesus is all about. As I say, I'm going to develop that theme throughout our Christmas services this year. We'll think about it for a few moments here this evening. I'm going to be talking to the traders briefly here on Thursday evening. You, you, you may know about that. So on Thursday evening, these chairs will all be gone. We have somewhere, I think it's around about 75 uh, high street traders booked in to come and join us for a Christmas dinner. And we'll get a chance to share a little bit of the, the message of Jesus with them. So please be praying for us as we do that. I'll address this theme in, in a different way at our Carols by Candlelight. Uh, so please do bring along any guests, folks that you know, uh, pick up one of our cards here. Uh, the Peace on Earth card gives the details of all our, our services this Christmas time. Take a few of those away with you and give them to a neighbor or a colleague, uh, a, a member of your family who isn't coming to church. Uh, make sure that you're inviting people along to hear about how they can know peace with God. So just for a few moments this evening, peace on earth. It's something that we all long for. The U2 song, Peace on Earth, was written uh, in 1998 in response to the Oma bomb, which had happened just a few days before, and it gives voice to some of our deepest longings for peace. Heaven on earth, 
we need it now. I'm sick of all this hanging around, sick of the sorrow, sick of the pain, sick of hearing again and again that there's going to be peace on earth. Uh, we may well be living in what we're calling a post-conflict society, but we're not done longing for peace. We only need to look out of our window. The war in Russia and Ukraine, I remember in the early days of the war, I, I was reading a, a newspaper uh, covering the, the conflict in Ukraine. They called their, their column, What We Know, the war in Ukraine, what we know, day one, and then the next day it would be day two, day three. And I remember reading those articles and, and thinking, goodness, we're into day 20, day 30, this hasn't resolved. It, it was long before we got to day 100 before I started to not read the articles anymore, to have Ukraine fatigue. Do you, do you know what today's article is? Day 648, the war in Ukraine. And while that goes on and on and on, we add new conflicts. So we have Israel-Gaza, already on day 54 and counting. Another place where we're longing for peace on earth. What do all these countries have in common? Afghanistan, Burkina Faso, Colombia, Democratic Republic of Congo, Ethiopia, Iraq, Mali, Mexico, Nigeria, Somalia, South Sudan, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen. Yeah, they're all countries defined by the United Nations as being at war. As we look out of our windows, we have every reason to be longing for peace on earth. But we don't even need to look out of our windows to be hungry for peace. We only need to look in the mirror. We're not at peace. We're not at peace with others around us. And in many cases, we're not even at peace with ourselves. According to an NHS website, one in four adults in the UK is suffering with their mental health. One in 10 children are already struggling with their mental health. It's not just our earth that needs peace. We need peace, peace on earth. We need it now. I wanna share some good news with you this evening from God's word. I want you to know that peace on earth is what God wants. Peace on earth is what God has promised, and peace on earth is what Jesus came to bring. Peace on earth, it's what God wants. Whenever God created the world, he made it perfect uh, for us to enjoy absolutely everything that was needed for human flourishing. I don't know if it's ever occurred to you, but a God who creates the world that way must intend for us to live that way. That's what he wants, absolute and complete flourishing for me and for you today. The Hebrew word for this kind of everything is perfect situation is shalom. 
God wants you to have shalom, to experience total and complete well-being. I wonder, do you believe that? We don't live in a shalom-filled world. We live in a broken, sin-filled world. So it's hard for us to find and experience the peace that God made us for. But here's the thing. God hasn't given up on that vision of you and I knowing complete peace. It's what God wants. Isaiah is the greatest of the biblical prophets. And his job was really to tell God's people where they were going wrong, to call them back to God, and to show them the future, to give them hope for a different and better kind of a future. So with that job description, it's no surprise that Isaiah talks a lot about peace. You can't talk about God's promised future without talking about peace. Nobody in the Bible talks more about peace than Isaiah. God's vision for our future is peace. Isaiah tells us that God wants us to experience his peace. Lord, you establish peace for us, he says, chapter 12. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest, says the Lord, chapter 32. For most of us, getting the peace that we want in our lives would be the limit of our horizons. If we, if we were at peace, we'd be happy. But that's not the limit of God's horizons. He wants peace restored to the whole of his creation. Chapter 14, Isaiah tells us of a time when all the lands are at rest and at peace. They break into singing, even the junipers and the cedars of Lebanon, trees, the earth itself at peace, celebrating the peace that God has given them. Even the animals, I love this, even the animals are at peace. Chapter 11. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Can you picture them? A cow and a bear? Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They'll neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Peace on earth. It's what God wants. As we read in Isaiah, there are lots of passages where we see that peace on earth is exactly then what God promises. We've already read one of them at the start of our service. Paul and Lisa were reading from us. Isaiah chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And, and Isaiah goes on to tell us about a, a child who's going to be born, a son who will be given. Do you remember what we heard about this child? The government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of 
peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. A prince of peace is coming to bring a reign of never-ending peace. In another well-known passage, we get a sense of the joy that his coming will bring. How beautiful in the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. God promises his people peace, and he promises them a prince of peace who will usher in a new kingdom of God, a new reign of peace. Peace on earth. It's what God wants. It's what God has promised. Finally, for this evening, peace on earth is what Jesus came to bring. Once you read a bit in Isaiah and you get a sense of what the prophets had been foretelling, what God's vision for the future is, suddenly the lyrics of the angel choir don't seem like starlit sentimentality anymore. Their words go right to the heart of the purposes of God. God wants peace. The kingdom of God is constantly working towards this one goal, peace on earth. God has promised peace through Isaiah and the prophets, and now in the coming of Jesus, the Prince of Peace has come. Jesus may have come to bring peace, but the world he came into was every bit as full of strife as as this world that you and I live in. In these days, we're more aware than we have been for a long time of the plight of the world's refugees. The poet Malcolm Geith invites us to reflect on the reality that Jesus was a refugee. We think of him as safe beneath the steeple or cozy in a crib beside the font. But he's with a million displaced people on the long road of weariness and want. For even as we sing our final carol, his family is up and on that road, fleeing the wrath of someone else's quarrel, glancing behind and shouldering their load. Whilst Herod rages still from his dark tower, Christ clings to Mary, fingers tightly curled. The lambs are slaughtered by the men of power. And death squads spread their curse across the world. But every Herod dies and comes alone to stand before the Lamb upon the throne. Jesus Christ came to bring peace, but that world into which God chose to be born for us then was every bit as much fraught with danger and menace as ours is now. Herod slaughtered the young back then. Islamic State and the Taliban slaughtered children today. How, tell me, 
do you bring peace to a world like that? The tyrants of history have given way to the tyrants of the present who will, I expect, give way to tyrants in the future. How will Jesus Christ ever bring peace to this broken world? Come with me one last time to Isaiah, to the chapter where he most clearly shows us Jesus. Isaiah tells us how this coming Prince of Peace would enter the fray in this broken and sinful, pain-filled world. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. When Jesus Christ was turned in by the Jewish religious leaders and crucified by the Roman authorities, it looked for all the world as if he was just another victim in a cruel and violent world. But no, says Isaiah, this is no ordinary death. The purpose of this death is to put death to death. The outcome of this violence will be peace. You see, he died for us in our place as our substitute, Isaiah says. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace. That brought us what? That brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Because he was punished, we can know peace. By his wounds we are healed. Because he took our sin we can know once more God's shalom. Folks, when we look out on our world this evening, peace on earth still seems like a hopeless dream. That's how Henry Wordsworth Longfellow saw it when he wrote his poem in 1863, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. The American Civil War was raging. Longfellow, who, who was still mourning the tragic death of his wife just a couple of years before in a house fire, now saw his own son severely wounded in battle. Where is this peace on earth that the angels sang of over Bethlehem? But God entered Longfellow's despair as he heard the ringing of the bells uh, church bells on Christmas Day. He was reminded of this message of hope that comes from the Prince of Peace. He remembered how Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but also proclaimed, but take heart, I have overcome the world, and in me you will have peace. Longfellow responded, to the, the gentle reminder as he heard the bells by writing, God is not dead, 
nor does he sleep. For Christ is here, his spirit near. When men repent and turn for sin, the Prince of Peace then enters in and grace imparts within their hearts his peace on earth, goodwill to man. Are you discouraged this Christmas season of 2023 by the conflict in our world, the hatred in our society, by your own personal losses and disappointments? If so, listen for the angel choir this Christmas. Listen for their promise of peace on earth. And then look for the one who loved us enough to enter this world of strife and pain and suffering. He is our peace.